Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. the end of our series on when you pray and uh, this is our final Sunday and then next week we're going to start a new series looking at the Psalms um, but today we're going to have a little look uh, at the subject of worry and when someone says to you do not worry what is the first thing that you do you worry don't you and then um, apparently in the the kindle you know the uh, amazon e-reader the most underlined verse um, the most underlined quote in fact across many of the books that are there is there uh, is this verse from philippians verses four six to seven so that's a verse from the bible and it says do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your requests to god And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's good, isn't it? That's nice. And I think, actually, a lot of what I was going to say has already been said this morning, which is encouraging, isn't it? Because it makes me think, oh, God's been preparing all of us along the same line. So it's him who's trying to say something, not just all of us and our individual thoughts and ideas. So it's always exciting and a bit encouraging to see how stuff weaves together. And then... And so I feel like, first of all, God wants to encourage us a little bit. And there's another verse, it's in Psalm 55, verse 22. It says, cast all your cares upon the Lord and he will sustain you. So we promise sustenance, we promise peace. Um, God has got something for us instead of our worry. And yet this week I was doing a bit of research and I was looking at worry and I, I put a message on the Facebook group and I, I put a text on the Irish Charleston women's WhatsApp, which I, I got added to and invited for pizza once, which was lovely, but I couldn't go, do it again, I'll come, that'd be great. Um, but actually I said, what's, my, my question was, what's the one thing you're worrying about right now? And I kind of assumed I'd get lots of sort of first world answers, you know, I'm stuck in traffic and it's really hot, or uh, I don't know how I'm going to get all the shopping done before I have to do the school pickup, or I'm really worried about my new haircut because um, bad things are happening with all this humidity. But no, I actually, you guys are really vulnerable and really deep, and you shared some really substantial worries on that group. And I kind of thought, oh, actually, worry isn't something to be flippant about, is it? Worry isn't something that we can kind of just say, oh, just don't do it. And you'll go, oh, right, never thought of that. You know, it's a big, deep-seated issue in our lives. And actually, we're not often worrying just about ourselves, are we? We're not purely selfish worriers. We're worrying about other people, rightly so, because we love them and we care for them. Some of the things that people shared, we're worrying about our health, the health of ourselves and the health of people we love. Worrying about our relationships with our families and our friends. We're worried about the tasks that need to be done and the pressure from our workplaces in order to do and do and be even more than we know we can do. We're worried about our, our lives, aren't we? Are we doing the right thing? Are we on the right path? Is this counting? Am I making a difference? And um, that's one of my big ones. I went, to, um, I went out to celebrate my friend's birthday on Thursday and someone was saying to me, oh, do you miss working? Because I'm not working at the moment. And I said, yeah and no. Um, I said, I still don't really know what I want to be when I grow up. And then, and then you look at me and you think, she is a grown-up individual. <laughs> she is no longer a child. And yet, I spend time worrying about that, thinking, am I 
doing the right thing? What should I be doing? Is there something else? And the future in particular is something that we can get concerned about, isn't it? And we try and, and, and go into our heads and we worry and we think, what can we do different? What's going on? Interestingly, nobody mentioned uh, worries about money. Nobody mentioned worries about the political climate that we live under. Nobody mentioned worries about globalisation, about world poverty, uh, about ourselves. And nobody said the World Cup, interestingly. Perhaps we haven't got anything to worry about. Who knows? It's going to be a fun few weeks. It's about a week, isn't it? We'll all be over. <laughs> so our worries range from huge things to tiny things, don't they? How many of you have total panic when you're at the airport and the person on the desk says, did you check in the, did you pack these bags yourself? And immediately you think, could someone have put cocaine in my bag? <laughs> or when you're on the train and someone checks your ticket and you think, did I buy the right ticket? And the complete relief that floods your mind when you think, it's okay. I've been like, oh, we have this constant worry, this constant pressure. And there's two things, actually, that it's useful to know about worry. And I am going to get onto the Bible, don't worry. This is just a little preamble. Um, first of all, worry keeps us alive. Our brain is actually designed to a point to keep us in a state of worry and anxiety because it's constantly scanning our situations and going, this is a risk, avoid it. This will make you die. Don't do it. You know, it, it's why we wear seatbelts in the car, isn't it? Because we know cognitively with our brains that if we don't we're more likely in case of an accident to get more injured it's why we limit our drinking it's why we limit our dangerous behavior it's why we don't run out across the street when there's a car coming our brain works to keep us alive and a, and a degree of worry and a degree of anxiety to a point is useful because it keeps us alive but we don't just want to be alive do we we want to live full lives we want to make a difference and actually um uh, worry can stop us from living our lives. And I was doing a bit of research, uh, there's lots of psychology stuff out there. I am no psychologist and I apologise if you are. But worry, evidently, it occurs in the part of our brain which um, solves problems and makes decisions. And so when you start worrying, your ability to solve problems and to make decisions gets diminished. And I know that I have felt that. So, you know, I'm a great to-do lister. In fact, I have a to-do list book. I'm not quite as good as Sarah. I don't have different pen colours. Just one pen colour is sufficient. Um, but, you know, when you've got it all out there and you think, this is everything I need to do. And then, I don't know about you, but complete inertia sets in in my life because I think there is so much. How can I do it? I, I start to worry. I start to stress. My ability to problem solve and make decisions totally goes. And that's on a good day, isn't it? Actually, worry can destroy our lives. Worry can lead us into a dark place. Worry can make us uh, set ourselves aside from the world. It can make us uh, ruin relationships. We can put up a wall and we can keep people out in order to keep ourselves safe. But in, in so doing, we miss out on living the life we were created for. And the second thing about worry, not only is it something our body is designed to do occasionally to a point, but it's something our society likes to sow, isn't it? Because for every worry, for every concern, for every fear, they like to have an answer. They like to have a product. There's something we can buy, there's something we can do, there's something we can take, and it will all go away. And we try it, and we do it, and we buy it, and it doesn't work, does it? Because all the time we're looking for solutions to problems that have been created to be worse and worse and worse, and uh, and it doesn't make a difference. Or occasionally it makes a difference, but it doesn't make the difference. It can take the edge off, for sure. It can give us order when there's chaos. I was quite interested this week. I don't, I've never been along to AA, but I remember my friend saying, the 12 steps 
um, you look at, I went on the AA website, and the second of the 12 steps, uh, forgive me if I've got it, it's in the wrong order, but it says you have to look outside of yourself for a solution to the problems you're facing. And for some people, that's a higher power. For us, we know that higher power to be God, don't we? Revealed in his son, Jesus. That is what is required to make the difference. Not something we can buy, not something we can take, not a program we can do. God is the one who can make the difference. And actually, when we worry, what we're doing is wondering how we can make the difference. When we pray, we're wondering how God can make the difference. And we're giving him the space and the room to do it. See, we are a worried society. Somebody calculated about 40% of what we worry about never comes to pass. 30% happens in the past, so it can't be changed. 10% relates to our health, and actually worrying about your health can make it worse rather than better. 8% of worry is legitimate, but worrying about it often won't change it. And some of you are thinking, what about the other 12% and starting to get worried? Well, perhaps you need to hear this message even more. (laughs) So... What does the Bible tell us about worry? We're going to read together from Matthew 6. This is the chapter of the Bible that we've been looking at and digging into through this whole series on prayer. So we started by looking at how you pray. We unpacked the Lord's Prayer. We looked at how we can give and how we can fast and how we can forgive. And all these different principles, all this teaching that Jesus put out to his people when he had time with them. And finally, we look at this last passage entitled, Do Not Worry. So if you've got um, a Bible with you, has anyone got an actual paper Bible with them? Yes, Graham. Yes, Beatrice. Yes, Kathy. Well done, you lot. Otherwise, you can get your phone out, look at it on that, or it will be on the screen. But let's look at this, and let's be underlining it, because it's good teaching for us this morning. So do not worry. Chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, or reap, or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of those. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But... Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. These are familiar words, aren't they? And they're they're words that we've looked at quite a lot before. About this time a year ago, um, we were struggling slightly as a family. Um, My mother-in-law had had a stroke, and we were worried we were thinking, will she get better? Will she not? What's that mean for, you know, we had a summer holiday all booked together. We had things um, that we were looking to do as a family. And it kind of, you know, something that you think is unshakable and firm suddenly is a bit wobbly. And uh, Gideon came home from Ivy Kids and he had learned this little verse. Perhaps you'd like to turn your eyes to the screen and enjoy this little moment. <laughs> Don't worry about anything. 
couldn't really resist. I was like, one day I'm going to get that in a breach somewhere. Um, but that was, that was a really encouraging message for us. And actually that was filmed on the holiday that we were supposed to have with Steve's parents to celebrate their 40th anniversary. Um, and instead of coming on that holiday, unfortunately, she had another stroke and she got a cancer diagnosis. And that was kind of the beginning for fairly rotten months in our lives until she went to be with Jesus. But um, we were able to send that little video to her just via WhatsApp. So we've got a family WhatsApp. And, it, and for that moment, we were just a bit more encouraged. And yeah, the situation didn't change very much, but we changed because we took God at his word and we said, do not worry about anything, but instead pray for everything. And so we turned our attention to prayer rather than to worry. And that's what helped us through a really difficult time. See, prayer is the alternative to worry. And I've heard it said that if you worry, you can pray. So if you're sitting here this morning going, I don't know if I can pray. You know, I know we've been talking about it for a few weeks, but I'm still not quite sure that I've got the ability to do it. And, you know, these superhero people who go to prayer meetings every, every week, they can do it. And the loud people who like to be heard, they can do it. And those really holy people who just spend hours and hours in solitude, they can do it. But actually, each and every one of us, if we can worry, we can pray. It's just a different destination for our thoughts. Instead of thinking, what can I do? How can I solve it? What if, what if, what if? We say, here you go, God. What can you do? It's in your hands. Show me how you can change me and my situation. So we're going to look at three different ways that will help us to worry less. And the first one of those, uh, well, they're all related to these, this last verse, basically, in the passage. And the first one of those is choose your focus So the verse that we're looking at at the end of this says, seek first the kingdom of God. And you know, when we write the to-do list, I mentioned I love my to-do lists earlier. It's really hard, isn't it, to work out what things should I do first? And I had this moment this week, I was like, right, I've got to write this sermon and then I've got to prepare this thing and there's washing up to be done and I've got another sermon to write and I've got to do some training in the week. And I was like, how can I decide what to do first? So I wasted a good hour thinking, what is the most important But actually, if we can just stop, if we just take a breath, if we just pray first, and then we can think through what is important. What is the one thing that will matter most forever that I can do today? That's seeking first God's kingdom. What is the thing that will last? What is the thing that God is calling me to do? What is the thing that is going to enable me to love God and to love other people? And often in our busy, task-driven world, that's relationships, isn't it? That's spending time with people. That's putting down the thing that you're really desperately trying to do and looking at the person in front of you and talking to them and listening to them. And the same with God. It's putting down the book you were going to read or putting down the the tennis you were just going to half-watch whilst you were on your phone at the same time. Perhaps that's just me. And, And looking at him and praying to him and reading about him and spending time with him. Our focus, our goal is him. That's what we say, isn't it? That's what we speak as Christians. We want you, God. We want to see your kingdom come. That's what we're praying. So what are we going to do? What is our focus? How can we prioritise that in our lives? One of the the main ways in society that we um, try and combat stress and worry and anxiety these days is mindfulness. And it's a really popular and and often quite an effective way of doing um, and combating those sorts of feelings because it's it's replacement. It's taking the stress and the worry and it's replacing them with calm and with peace. What is our mind full of? What do we allow to speak into our minds as we go along our daily basis? 
you know, sometimes we don't even notice what's speaking into our minds. You know, a five-second check of Facebook, a two-minute scan of the headlines, a little bit of TV that we just pop on in the meantime, a little bit of gossip with some friends. Did you know she did this? Did she really? Oh, I can't believe it. Even under the guise of prayer, we do that sometimes, don't we? What is our mind full of? What seeds are we sowing? What are we, what are we watering it with? What are we allowing into our heads? We need our mind to be full of him. It talks about consider him. It talks about meditate on him. It talks about thinking about things that are good and lovely and pure and filling our heart and our mind with this. Meditating on scripture, reflecting on him, filling ourselves up with him. You know, when we become Christians, the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. But so often we're content with the dregs rather than the fullness of him. He wants to fill us up, not just now, but every day, every moment, to be full to overflowing with him. In fact, we are the only person that we can really be responsible for God filling. I can't be responsible through my words right now for whether or not you allow God to fill you. I can kind of throw you some wisdom and some stuff that I've heard and some words I think he's saying. But we are responsible for our own journey with him, for our own measure of fullness and how much we would desire and seek and want him. It says the pagans went after food and drink and clothes and yet he knows what we need and he shows us in in visual imagery the created world around us. He said, look at the birds, look at the flowers, look at the earth. I've got this covered. I can do this. How much more do I love you? How much more important are you? Look at these things and test me. I can do it. Which leads us into our second point. The second way we can worry less is to trust him. It says, once you seek first the kingdom, all of these things will be added to you as well. The clothes, the food, the things that we need to live, the basic physiological necessities. He's got those things in hand. He can do them because he made them in the first place. He knows about food. He knows about clothes. He knows about health. He knows about relationships because he came and he lived on earth as a person and he got involved with us. We have to... We have to make a choice. And it was, um, it was good when um, they were singing and we said, it's a decision to follow Jesus. It's a conscious choice. Often at, um, at weddings, we talk about the fact that people fall in love, don't we? And they, you know, the feelings kind of drive the relationship for a long time because they're so great and, and you know, fate brought people together and it's just so wonderful. But there comes a day at some point sooner or later when you look at the other person and you think, what? Quite. What's that? And where has it gone? <laughs> Not me. Other people. Other people. <laughs> other people do that. I know. It never happened to me. But it's a conscious decision, isn't it, to choose every day to honour that other person, to love that other person, to see past the quirks and then and to put them as your number one. And it's the same with our relationship with God. You know, a new relationship with God is a beautiful thing to, to behold. A new Christian is wonderful. And it's so great to hear from new Christians, isn't it? Because they've got something. They've got the passion. They've got the, that first love. They've got that enthusiasm. That's why it's so encouraging to hear from new Christians. And as we kind of go along that journey with God, sometimes we lose some of that, don't we? We get a bit like, oh, that was a bit rubbish, or I didn't really see God come through then, or I'm not really sure what he's doing in this situation. But we choose, it's a choice to have faith over fear. We choose to trust. And a lot of what we've been singing about this morning is us choosing, is us putting and speaking out of our words and our hearts what it is that we believe in the Bible and what it is that God has taught us. God is solid, 
It talks about him as a rock. It talks about him as a house that is built on the rock. It talks about him as a firm foundation. He's not a shifting sand. He's not here today, gone tomorrow. He's not like a fad that's really popular in this century, but you know, next century it's going to go out of fashion. He is constant, ever-changing, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when we look at who God is, we stop thinking what if, and we start thinking what is. And that generates a gratitude in us. And uh, I know sometimes we find it hard, don't we, to be overly gratitude, gratitude, that's a terrible word, overly thankful, there we go, that's the word I'm looking for, because we're like, you know, we don't want to lay it on too thick, do we, we're like, oh yeah, God, thanks for that, thanks for that, thanks for that, and we, you know, we don't want to be too emotionally uh, effervescent, you know, we're quite a reserved society, aren't we, but God has done measurably more than we can ask or imagine, we, he deserves our thanks, and actually, if we look around and start seeing things to be grateful for, it really changes our attitude and our heart. I know there's people who've done projects where they've tried to find something to be grateful for every day of, of, of a year, and that's transformed them. Nobody's ever said, I've tried to be more grateful, and it was terrible, and it was awful, and I really struggled, and there was nothing. There was nothing to be grateful for, because there's always something, however small, to be grateful for. And if it's not in your life, then it's in the Bible, because we can be grateful for what God has done, as well as what he is doing. And finally, the third thing we can do to help us overcome worry is take it one day at a time. We, um, <laughs> Steve has, uh, has reintroduced us to some of his childhood uh, Christian tapes that his family used to play. And uh, there's one, and it's all about uh, some kids who go camping and they look at this mountain and they say, we can't possibly go up this mountain, it's too big. And then the chap who's taking them on the expedition says, you don't climb a mountain in one go, you take it one step at a time. One step at a time gets you to the top. One day at a time gets you to the end. And then um, I remember being at a funeral a number of years ago and it was, I love, I love funerals. I, I, there's something about funerals that provide us with an opportunity that we don't have very often because as a society, we're generally fairly averse, aren't we, to talking about death. But at a funeral, you can't really avoid it. And the guy who was taking his funeral said, what has happened today is the person who's gone has given us a fantastic gift. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting way of looking at it. And he said, that gift is the reminder that this life is temporary and each day matters. So if you're kind of coasting along, if you're not really sure what you're doing, if you're stuck in panic and inertia, Remember, we haven't got every day forevermore. We've just got every day of the life that we're going to lead. And so there's no present like the time is there. Because this is the day that the Lord has made. Today is the day of salvation, it says in 2 Corinthians 6 2. Today is Sunday. Today is the 8th of July. Think about that one. Today is the day, not yesterday, not tomorrow. This is the moment that we can affect. This is the moment where we can say, God, I choose not to worry. I choose not to stress. I choose to open up that huge percentage of time that I waste worrying, struggling and being anxious and asking you to come into it, to transform it and to fill it and to change me. Of course, it's wise to plan and to pray about the future. Of course, it's wise to think about where we want to be and how we want to get there. But we don't achieve it overnight either, do we? It's little steps. It's daily practice. It's discipline. Let's not be overwhelmed. Let's not worry about tomorrow. Let's pray about it. Let's plan for it. But let's, in the space and time that we're going to worry, invite God to come in and to relieve us of those things and to help us to seek him first and to trust him that everything else 
will be added unto us. So today I just want us to spend a little bit of time responding to that and, and off the back of that I know that we've come in here some of us burdened and tired and stressed and thinking I've, I've prayed about this thing and I've prayed about this thing and it's still not changed and that is a reality often, things take a while to shift but we are here right now and right now we can pray and there's going to be more prayer tonight but what we've got at the front are some post-it notes and some pens and we've got these two um, bits of stand thing um, that you can so write down what it is that you're burdened with today what is it what is your worry what is your stress what is your strain what is the point of unease that just lingers and makes you feel a bit ugh um, and stops you from the, from pursuing God and being thankful pop it down you don't you can write it in code if you like uh, you don't need to put names and details and dates pop it down get it out give it over to God and let's be praying for a divine exchange let's say God here it is you take it I can't solve it it's not for me and let's as a community because we're not Christians on our own are we with it talks about bearing each other's burdens let's be praying for each other and um, some of that will happen tonight but let's not say tonight is the time when all our problems will be solved and it'll all be good but let's say now so the worship bands are going to come up they're going to lead us in that in a song as we do that so as they start to play when they're ready you're fine and let's um let's be thinking first of all what is that thing and then come and get your pen come and get your post note pop it down pop it on here and then if you wish there'll be people here that can pray with you but actually all of us can pray so pray with your friend pray with the person you came with pray with the person sat next to you don't be limited by feeling a bit funny about going to the side and ask god change me change my situation take this worry because prayer is the antidote to worry and it's prayer that we've been looking at and it's prayer that will really change things so let's just pray now if you're able to stand please do that and let's um if you're able to turn your palms up in an attitude of giving up um then let's do that lord jesus thank you for this message that you've woven through the service today thank you that you don't just tell us not to do something you give us ways in which not to do it you give us ways to do other things you give us encouragement and teaching and most of all god you give us yourself and uh, and you promise to take our burdens lord so we give them to you right now we give up our worries we give up our stresses we give up our strain we give up the time that we've spent doing these things lord jesus and we give them over to you trusting in your mercy and trusting in your son and trusting in your power because you have ultimate power as creator of the earth above all things in your name jesus we pray Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.